The Roast, presented by Cabin Coffee, and a special episode today. This will be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm Scott uh, with Eau Claire Hometown Media, and a chance for us to meet one of the proprietors of Cabin Coffee. You're going to be hearing a lot from uh, Kelly and Joe throughout the course of this series and a chance to meet a lot of interesting people and learn about organizations in town. But each of them has their own intriguing story. And today we're going to dive a little bit more into uh, into Joe. And uh, Joe, I, 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 I know sometimes you don't like to talk, but we're going to get a lot out of you today, aren't we? I believe we are, yes. <laughs> you have me here and I'm not going anywhere, so let's... Let's ask. Let's answer the questions. <laughs> and by the way, Kelly will be back with uh, our next uh, our next episode, and that'll be a lot of fun uh, having her uh, return. Speaking of which, you guys run this business, and one of our first episodes, I encourage people to go back and listen. Uh, there was a million dollar loan for heaven's sakes. Learn all about that and how you guys got this business up and running. It's a great entrepreneurial story. But what is it like to run a business? with your spouse we hear a lot of people get into partnerships and what have you you guys see each other at the house you guys see each other here there, there's no there's no escape <laughs> i agree and then you throw my daughter in the mix so uh and she worked here since she was uh 13 and just recently went out to college so um it does make life a little interesting um in a good way um you know it shows that we're all in and that everything is uh it said it, it, it's uh this is our first business. We never owned a business before. I never did. Kelly has been in the business world her entire adult life, and she has her degree in business. But this is so far from my wheelhouse, you know, that I can't even begin to describe it for you. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of trials and tribulations in that aspect. Um, I've been able to rely on her because she is, has been doing this for so long. Um, we may not always agree on uh, the way it should go, but ultimately my wife wins, and that's what we do. So. Who brought up the idea first? Who sat around the kitchen table and said, let's, let's start up a business first? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm married myself. I know a lot of people that are married. They always joke around. And they go, oh, we should open up a business together. Then you look each other in the eyes and you go, no, 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 we're not that. We're, we're not going to do that. So who brought up the idea first? And, and maybe how long did it take for you guys to say, you know what? We're, we're not joking to each other. Let's, let's dive in. Let's explore this. Um, so it wasn't really a, let's sit down and have a question. Um, I was uh, working as a medical examiner in Oakland County, and I got home from a call or rounds, and my wife went to a planning development meeting in River Prairie, and uh, she kind of, as she was sitting in the presentation, she couldn't believe that there wasn't a coffee shop or where it was going to be. Because they went through and said, this is going to be here, this is going to be here. And my wife, with that ever-evolving mm -hmm. business mind, goes, I wonder where the coffee shop's going to be. So afterwards, mm -hmm. she went over and introduced herself to Mike Golot and, and, and uh, said, hey, where's the coffee shop going to be? And he couldn't, he's like, I can't believe that nobody's jumped on that yet and put one in there. And my wife said, I'm going to put a coffee shop River Prairie. So... Um, and he kind of laughed at her a little bit, and, and my wife, if you know her, is very driven, very driven woman, and said, uh, no, uh, I'm available next week on Wednesday or whatever it was. What's your availability? And that was the meeting. So I, she comes home, and she's like, hey, guess what? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, she's like, we're going to put a, co a coffee shop in River Prairie. And I said, oh, that's amazing. 
because I'm going to put a brewery in River Prairie and we can be neighbors. <laughs> so it wasn't like this uh, discussion where we um, had this, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, again, we had no idea really about it as to how we were going to do this because this is our first time opening a business or running a business. Um, and the backstory is, is my wife moved um, away from what she was doing previously uh, to follow me. This is before we were married. So, um, and I was in law enforcement here. Uh, and so she relocated and a lot of commitment and time. I was, it was a 10 plus, uh, career in, in law enforcement and it was nights, weekends and holidays. Um, that's what I worked mostly. And, you know, she sacrificed moving and relocating and, uh, you know, just the majority of raising our children because I was working and the crazy hours, um, it was kind of a way for me to say, okay, well, we did what I wanted to do, uh, and I guess here we go. And I think that's going to lead into something in just a bit here, the the idea of, I think this is a great sort of lesson. We were talking about it beforehand and whatnot. People and the amount of times you're going to pivot in your life to different things. So a lot of people, when they walk in here, they know you played for the Badgers. And yep. you, you, you weren't just some, you know, there's no shame in this either. You weren't just some guy that was at the back of the bench either. You, mm-hmm. you were out there on the field, right? right? You, were, you were on national television. So update everybody. Where are you from? Mm-hmm. Where, what, what path led you to the Wisconsin Badgers 20 years ago? Well, um, I've been carrying around a football since I was five told my parents I was playing football. Don't know where that drive came from. Uh, probably because I was an uh, abnormally large human being even at that age. And everyone said, oh, you're going to play football, you're going to play football. And I assumed that that just kind of resonated. And that's But I remember carrying football, and that's all I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, was blessed with size, was uh, blessed with strength, and was blessed with speed. Um, and then a tremendous amount of work that, that goes into that. Um, you know, the idea of playing football was always my dream. That was the goal. That's what I wanted to do. I dedicated all my time and uh, working out and uh, just honing my craft. Um, and, you know, my junior year started getting some recognition and uh, f- from some of the universities. And all of a sudden the recruiting letters come in. And, uh, yeah, so ended up um, being the, one of the top linemen in the nation. Um, and then the, uh, the letters of, you know, full-ride scholarship started coming in uh, my junior year. Um, I went to a football camp in Madison um, between my junior and senior year, the summer of. And it was a more of an intense camp than I thought. Um, not knowing anything about, you know, the camp itself, but knew that it costed a lot of money and my dad had to put in overtime for us to, for me to go down there, um, and started doing every rep at camp. So we have hundreds of kids there and I'm going every rep and it's not, uh, it was a tough camp and I'm going, man, like I'm getting my butt kicked here. Like not by people, but. I, the, the season hasn't started yet, and, and uh, we're going full pack, and yeah. uh, we are definitely – it wasn't a slouch camp at all, mm-hmm. and I'm doing every rep. And, uh, 
it was at that point in time. Um, I think it was like the, the last, second to the last day. And Coach Alvarez walks over and says, hey, uh, let's go for a walk. You want to go for a walk? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a walk with you, 100%. Um, and we actually took me up on the 50-yard line inside of the stadium on Camp Randall. He sat down. And, uh, you know, everybody knew who Coach Alvarez was. And just, we I call it the command presence that he had. He just had that confidence, wasn't charismatic, but just that confidence that he had um, demanded your attention. And uh, yeah, we're, we're overlooking the camp and kids going through drills. And he's like, so uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush. He's like, I want you to play at Wisconsin. And um, I want to offer you a, a scholarship and I need a verbal commitment. And uh, m my jaw hit the bleachers and I was like, you know, you don't even know what to say. You know, it seems like it's one of those things where um, you, I can replay that memory in my mind and I still get goosebumps about it. Like it impacted my life that much. And uh, so he, uh, at that point in time, all right, well, that was kind of it, handshake. And uh, I think I uttered something stupid. Like, oh, I, I've always looked good in red, which I don't. But <laughs> <laughs> that was the phrase that I seemed to get out of my mouth. And, uh, you know, this is before cell phones. So we were staying at the region across from the stadium and uh, where all the campers were. And I had to make a collect phone call to my father and say, hey, uh, you know, and uh, he accepted. And I said, hey, Dad, like, and kind of told him. And my, and my dad is, he's gotten softer in his old age, but he's just a tough, tough, stoic kind of guy not much emotion coming out of that guy and when i told him i said hey they just offered me a full ride scholarship and a verbal commitment and uh just a dead silence on the phone you know even to that even then i was like you know like holy cow like finally like the hard work is paying off like this is what i've been working for this is what the family sacrifices for um didn't say a whole lot i think he said well what did you say and i said, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I said yeah <laughs> said yes dad um and then he's like well here talk to your mother and i told you know <laughs> but that was probably the you know and d doesn't show much emotion other than that so um and that was basically you know how the whole thing went um without his sacrifice and working overtime and the foresight that if you want to go play football division one you need to start putting yourself out there and to pay for that camp was was it and I think, and, and something again for everybody that's that's out there. First off, remind them exactly what your position was, because you weren't one of the uh, one of the, the you weren't the quarterback no. or the wide receiver or uh, or Ron Dane that was going to get their uh, photo in the the magazine. No. But you were out there. You were one of the you you were part of the Offen the top of the depth chart. Off offensive line, you know, and uh, you know, first year I was uh, I was redshirted my first year, and uh, lettered my second year, and then finally was going to get some playing time and. Well, some, I guess there was other plans, and that's when uh, disaster struck. So, yep, there was some uh, some injuries, uh, knee oh. injuries, and whatnot. And I think that gives me an opportunity to bring this up. So, you you you, you get through Wisconsin, mm -hmm. all right? You're there, all right? You're you're part of the program, mm -hmm. all of that sort of thing. And then college comes to an end. Yep. And this is something a lot of people experience multiple times in their life transitioning because your whole identity as you said was being a football player absolutely all right and i'm sure you had f you did other things too and had fun with other, you know, other things but your identity your goal was to be a football player right. and now that comes to an end after mm -hmm. after college 
how do you handle that, and what was the, the next stage of life, and what led you to that? Well, I didn't really have a next stage of life. That's the thing. Like, I went all in on football. Like, that's what I was going to do. That's what I identified as, and that was my purpose, I thought, on, you know, on this planet. Um, so when I suffered my last knee surgery, which was a complete devastation of my, uh, of my left knee, um, and then the realization when um, they said, hey, this is, this is the one. <laughs> this is the one where we can put you back together, but if you get hurt again, you won't walk again. Mm-hmm. Well, the fuse your leg straight. I'm 21 years old at the time, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm playing, because mm-hmm. that mindset and that dream wasn't ready to die yet in my world, um, you know. But uh, we had the number one knee surgeon in the nation at the time, Dr. Graf, and uh, he's like, Hey, here's the deal, man. Like, as straight up as possible. He's like, I can fix you, but you're 21 years of age. You're gonna have kids someday. I want you to be able to play with your kids, not be you know, handicap the rest of your life. And I'm like, and then that realization set in, you know, my initial plan was to be a, you know, to follow the typical football player. I'm going to be a gym teacher and a football coach because that seems to be the most comfortable, you know, thing to do. Um, the problem was, is at the school in, in, in Madison, they were turning down uh, students with 3.8 GPAs at the school of education. I was not close to the 3.8, so I was not going to make it into School of Education uh, without some more going somewhere else. Um, so, you know, you kind of get slapped in the face a little bit. I did, and going, like, what's my next step here? Um, and I can remember the day that I thought um, law enforcement was going to be the way to go. And um, we were out with friends, probably 2.30 in the morning. We're all hanging out in the living room. Everyone else is sleeping on the couch and I'm still up you know and trying to sort through the the mess of my life as to what I'm going to do and uh, the TV was turned on and I'm flipping through the channels just mindlessly and the television show cops came on and I'm sitting there watching the television show cops and I'm reflecting on my life and my current status and situation and I'm watching these uh, officers on the TV show and I'm thinking to myself you know this fills a lot of voids in my life this is something that I could definitely, you know, this, this, this profession can fill the camaraderie, uh, the excitement, the pressure, the adrenaline, all the things that I've fed on, my, you know, until that point in time. Um, and it, that show made such an impact on me, you know, not the episode. I can't tell you what was going on there, but that idea of this replaces football came to me in <laughs> 2 30 in the morning and uh it went on that monday and changed my major um from uh education to they didn't have criminal justice then <laughs> it was sociology it was the closest thing and that's what i went and did moving that on now of course you're in law enforcement tell us a little bit about that career because hey that's that's kind of cool when when, when somebody walks into a party and says uh, hey that person played division one football mm-hmm. oh i'm gonna go talk to that person right. oh that person was also in law enforcement well i gotta talk to this person now. <laughs> right Absolutely. So, so you're you're no doubt the person that uh, people want to come up and and ask uh, stories and right. whatnot because you're in two how do i put this cool industries mm-hmm. right. so you've you've been a football player those days are now in the past you're now in law enforcement mm-hmm. 
Give us a little bit of uh, that story. You know, uh, I think, you know, people will recognize me for law enforcement, or, or sorry, for football. Uh, the biggest impact I made in, in, in life was, was law enforcement, hands down. Um, just a tough profession. It really is. But I, it's something that I loved. Um, you know, again, it, it involves serving people. And uh, you see a side of humanity that's not always great, not always glamorous. Um, but again, you're doing it for the guys around you, for the people that are working with you. Um, very similar to football. Um, I thrived in that environment and uh, I loved it. Like to this day, again, like the injury bug got me. Um, I'd still be doing it, but um, ended up uh, damaging my spinal cord at work. Uh, couldn't play, couldn't do the game anymore. Uh, so that was my second blow of, uh, you know, the body not not holding up the way you wanted it to happen. So um, I, it wasn't uh, anything, you know, my injury didn't come from any uh, uh, huge case or anything. Um, just the wear and tear on the body, uh, getting out of a squad car, wearing all the equipment, and uh, ended up uh, just rupturing a disc and damaging my spinal cord. And throughout all of this, again, we keep talking about the, the transitions and what the identity is. Mm -hmm. You're a husband. You're a father. Now you're an entrepreneur. Yep. Probably some things you weren't thinking about when you were 17 or 18 and you were, uh, I'm, I'm going to go play for the, for the Packers. I'm going to be on the, I'm going to play for the Vikings. I'm going to get a, a, a jacket and be in Canton. We all have those dreams when we're 16, 17. Absolutely. And now having that be your identity, you know, the, the family life and, mm -hmm. and owning this coffee shop, which that in of itself, you know, it might not be what you were dreaming when you were 15 or 16, but there's an awful lot of people that say that's a damn good life if that's all you had done. Right. <laughs> well, um, it, it's life that comes at you. you. You don't have you don't have the game plan. You can plan out your route the best of your ability, but you're not in charge of it anyway. So life throws you curveballs, and it depends on how you are able to, to respond to those adversities. And, uh, you know, so I mentioned a little bit, too, that I was a medical examiner in Eau Claire County. Um, so my transition from law enforcement, uh, again, I, I, at the time, I had children that weren't needing daycare. They were in school when I got uh, when I when my law enforcement career ended. So it wasn't you know like I could sit at home and be a stay-at-home dad because my kids were already in school. Um, I can only clean the house so many times. I can only mow the lawn. Like I, I can only, it, it, again, you lose your purpose in life. Kind of lost my purpose again. Um, ended up running into the medical examiner in Dunn County. Uh, him and his wife were there at the dinner, and me and my wife were and. He's like, what are you doing now? And I said, nothing, man. I'm just trying to figure it out. He's like, you want a job? I said, 100%. He's like, the, the pay is not good. I said, perfect, sign me up. He's like, the hours are worse. I said, let's do it. Um, and then started doing the medical examiner thing. And uh, like I said, it, it's how you are able to transition and how you're able to deal with adversity, which all goes back to football because it is life is full of adversities and at no point in time can you lay down in the fetal position and just give up it, it, when giving up is not an option because I have a wife and kids and I have things that I needed to accomplish and, and I need to make sure that I'm feeling that my purpose is being met because I've had football law enforcement both respectable things um, but you know you got to be able to find a transition out of those things and find out what your passion is and then the medical examiner uh kind of filled that void until we opened the coffee shop <laughs> so 
And I think one of the things that's interesting when you own a shop like this, you, you, you've got a number of young employees, right. high school uh, kids, college kids, young adults, even your own kids, obviously. But what advice do you have for that generation? You know, if, whether it's directly, they ask you directly for the advice or mm-hmm. indirectly you're able to provide it. Because as we said, you're, you're, you're no doubt everybody wants to know the opinion on the latest Badger game, right. but clearly you've also got the experience of having to transition what your identity is, something mm-hmm. that a lot of people have to do. The, the days of somebody getting a job when they're 22 and then that's their job until they're, right. they retire at 75, mm-hmm. those, those are over for, for better or worse. Right. So what advice do you have for that next generation coming up because – the story you give is exciting, a little scary at times, too, because you're not going to know the next step, but what advice do you have? I think the advice that I have is you're not going to have all the answers all the time, and you're not supposed to. Um, How you respond to the twists and turns of life is basically going to dictate it, um, how you're going to be. Nobody expects you to have all the answers, and you don't have all the answers. But you got to be able to sit down and think, and be able to to not have a pro and con list. Like what with the coffee shop, particularly, what satisfaction was I going to get out out of owning a coffee shop? Again, I, I've had the high pressure jobs. I had I I, I had the high pressure, you know, uh, football playing career. Um, I had to find things that gave me joy that wasn't on the level that I was used to. Um, and it almost came back to like coaching because again, through all my experiences in football and in law enforcement, you, you had leaders, you had mentors, you had, you know, coaches, you had lieutenants, you had sergeants, like all people that were, were, were guiding you along the way. And then you become that guy. So I literally took, Everything that I learned from law enforcement and football in order for me to to lead people um, into to run this business um, completely different pool of, of 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 people because you know with football it's all alpha males same with cops um, I had to rewire my brain a little bit and try to figure out okay the <laughs> way I was taught and the way I did things before is not going to work in a coffee shop setting. So let me just uh, recompute and try to rewire my brain. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, very similar in all of the things I've done, you care more about the people around you than you do yourself. And that's what it comes down to. You are there. I, I tell people like, like, oh, you have a great business. Like, how do you do it? It's pretty simple. I... I invest in my employees, and my employees run my business, and I'm present. That's it. Mm-hmm. And there's not a thing that they can ask me to do that I think is stupid or too small that I will disregard. It doesn't matter what it is, and I make it a priority. Because the minute I stop making it a priority, the minute I stop investing in my people is a minute that they think that I don't care about them, and that's the minute that uh, I lose good employees or they don't want to be a part of it anymore. As we wind this down, and it's something I'll, I'll also ask uh, Kelly down the road, uh, too. 
You've got this uh, coffee shop now. It's become River Prairie itself has become. It, it feels like this area has been around for 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's only been six or so years. Heck, it's only been really two years since it's looked the way that it does uh, right now. How cool is it though to have a spot that you know? For for some people, this is part of their their daily or every other day part of their commute. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. go. This is where they, they meet people. This mm-hmm. this is part of their life. Right. Some of these people you, you know, you get to know some of your regulars. And I'm sure there's some people, you know, I, I think I see that person a lot. I don't know their name. Right. Don't know who they are. But bless them, they keep coming in here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and I, I say this phrase here a lot. We're not serving coffee. We're serving people. And that is the difference. Coffee is the catalyst but we're serving people um you get to build relationships with people and i've i've had i have amazing relationship with people that i've met through this through our customers of mine um and they become family and if i don't see them for a couple weeks because that regular occurrence that we that we've that connection that we have um i call for example we had Stu on the uh on the on the podcast, who is a former uh, Vietnam uh, helicopter pilot, if I don't hear from Stu in a in a week and a half, I'm calling Stu on his personal cell phone. Like, hey, you good? Are you all right? I haven't seen you. We we should do coffee here or or meet up again. Like, it's the relationships and the people that make this thing go. You know, um, it really is, and you can't fake that. You you can fake customer service to a point, but when you genuinely care about people. That makes this business go because it's the actual caring of people because we're serving people, not just serving coffee. It's not, here's your coffee, there's the door. Here's your coffee, how are you today? It's that important, and that's what I thrive on now. Completely opposite of as to what I thrived on before. Before we, uh, before we go, what's more stressful, a day at the coffee shop or a, or a, or a Sunday night, Monday, watching film back in the day where you, where you know the coach is going to be circling, uh, circling you on something? Gosh, they're both tough. Um, <laughs> they really are. Um, here I don't get yelled at, <laughs> um, uh, you know, but it's a different kind of pressure. It is. It's a different kind of stress. Um, when you're the guy, like you're the guy. You don't call somebody. They're, they're calling you. You don't get to pass that buck. You're the guy, you know, and you got to figure it out. And, and, and my girls and, and, and my employees know that I'm the first person to tell you that I don't know everything. But I just don't leave it at that. I will find an answer. I have connections. I have people. I can do things. But I am not the resident expert in this coffee shop because I learn every day. And I think... Uh, you know, new ways to do things and new ways to be a leader and new ways to just better ways of doing business that, you know, always looking for something to make sure we're improving, I think is the most important thing. But yeah, um, coffee shop's probably a little more stressful. <laughs> I know it seems very relaxed here um, in, in, in the coffee shop. There's some things happening behind that counter, and uh, it's coming at you fast. So, 
Well, again, we always encourage everybody to one check out all of these great podcasts that we uh, that we have coming up uh, with the roast, uh, but also stop on by Cabin Coffee and uh, say hi to to Joe and Kelly when she's here as well. And as you can tell here in the last uh, twenty five or so minutes, uh, jo- Joe's got stories, and that's uh, that's the joy of a. Uh, the the coffee the coffee shop is just like what the bar was 20 30 years ago for a lot of people as we all get older we, we we're not out till two in the morning but we're up at seven in the morning so <laughs> absolutely <laughs> come come on out uh, share a conversation uh with people here maybe make uh, some friends thank you very much thank you